Welcome to The Thinking Tree, a podcast to help believers renew their minds and reform their hearts. I'm Adam Sanchez, your host, and today we are taking on an interesting topic of building friendships. Well, welcome back to another episode of The Thinking Tree. I'm here again with Ken Peaster. Hey, hey. Fellow elder at Oak Hill, as well as director of financial aid at TMU, and one of my greatest friends. Absolutely. And so we're talking about the topic of building friendships today, and I'm here with my best friend. Best friend. Yeah. Aside from my wife, my greatest earthly friend. I'm mm-hmm. thankful for that. Now, here's the thing, though. Uh, even though we're great friends and been friends for a long time, it hasn't always been that way, mm-hmm. first of all. Uh, so if anyone thinks, oh, we've just been friends and you know, had it all, all easy, like, no, there's more to that. And we won't, not even telling the whole story today, but there's more to it than that. Uh, but we we wanted to take on this topic of building friendship because it's so pertinent to mm. the cultural conversation today among believers always looking for good friendships and yet struggling. Mm. And we hear the struggle often. So here's the question today. How should Christians pursue building biblical friendships? Mm. Now, I don't mean to say we are experts because we've been friends for so long or, or that we're the best at it, but we are good friends. There are things that you and I have learned over the years, mm-hmm. and there are principles that we encourage others to pursue according to God's word. So let me give a couple of things on the front end as cautions. I often hear of these unrealistic expectations for friendships. I'll give you an example. Sometimes people want to pursue friends for what the other person can give to them. Mm, I've so, been terrible at that, Adam. I remember my <laughs> the personal gain. Yep, that first year of college, getting in, new to masters, not really having friends, mm. and trying to navigate how do you build friends when you come from a, a, a small pond and you're a big fish of a yeah. tiny town, and then you come to a new place and you're like, I know no one. And so you start building friendships, but that first year I'd say most of my friends that I had were all for personal gain. Hmm. I remember there were different guys of, oh, I'm going to be friends with that guy because he's already friends with the group and I can latch myself to that group. Or this friend can get us into a bunch of different events because of who he's (laughs) related to. And so he would get us into different events. The connections guy. And so we had another guy in our wing who, who worked for, um, a clothing manufacturer and you'd be friends with that guy and he would get you free clothes. Mm. All these different things of what can I get, what can I get, what can I get. What's fascinating is am I still friends with those people? Mm. No. And I saw my selfishness in that and so that's a dangerous thing to pursue friendship for personal gain. Yeah, It's not real friendship. Yeah, those, those tend to not last, right? They might be in a season where you're receiving some benefit but then that season's going to end. Mm-hmm. That benefit is going to end or they're going to move or you're going to move. And if the friendship was only built on gaining gaining something, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of personal gain, it's not real friendship. Mm. It's not going to last. So there is an unrealistic expectation that I see. Sometimes it's not as insidious as <laughs> the things that you mentioned. And I do remember those years. Um, but sometimes it's, it's, it's smaller than that. Mm. You know, sometimes it's, I just want somebody who's going to listen to me. Hmm. I just want somebody who's going to do life with me. Mm-hmm. And those are not bad things in and of themselves, but I just want to caution against an unrealistic expectation that you're only pursuing a person so that they can do something for you. Hmm. There's a caution there. I think also within that same caution of, of wanting personal gain, it's be be cautious about expecting 
too much mm-hmm. from others. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, hey, I'm looking for a friend that's going to meet this specific need in my life or this specific area of help, or I'm looking for a friend that'll be this personality type because, you know, I, I'm the, the it, person that likes to stay home and I want the person who's going to go out and, and like draw me out to mm. be, you know, friends with others and, or vice versa. You know, sometimes it's, I, I just lost a friend, they moved away or, and I want somebody to fill that void mm. of that friend who left me or who moved away. Uh, and, and I want to find somebody who's going to be that for me. Mm. And those are, that those are big expectations mm-hmm. and we can expect a lot from people that is not right mm-hmm. that we put that weight, that burden mm-hmm. upon them to fill. And they may, they're going to fail, right? Yeah, it's you're like setting them up to fail. I've I've spent ten years building a friendship. I lost that friendship because I moved away, and I want someone to fill that immediately. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want that that time frame that I've already built. I just want it immediately to happen, and so that's unrealistic. Yeah, then we're dissatisfied. We we think they don't love us or care mm-hmm. for us. And, I mean, it gets messy, right? Uh, the last one I caution I'll give here: the unrealistic expectation for friendship is that often we want all of the benefits that friendship can bring without any of the commitment that friendship necessitates. Friendship necessitates a commitment to one another, a loyalness to one another. We'll get to that in just a moment when we see in God's word. But we often will ask others to give more than we're willing to give. Mm -hmm. There's a great danger there because we're saying, be more committed to me than I am to you. Mm -hmm. And instead, I'll just play my hand here, we should be saying, I'm more committed to you than you are to me and that's okay. Mm -hmm. If we all said that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh my goodness, we'd have phenomenal friendships all around because we wouldn't be basing it off of what the other person's doing. We would say, as far as I'm able, I'm going to outdo in showing honor to one another, Mm. which hint, hint, that's somewhere in the Bible, Romans chapter 12. Mm -hmm. Anyways, so there's some cautions I give on unrealistic friendship expectations. Now, when we look at biblical friendship, there's some interesting things I want to point out for everyone here. First of all, one of the the first instances we see of this idea of being a friend uh, instituted in God's word, it's not in the opening chapters of Genesis, though the word is used there. The first time we really see the concept brought to bear and really about being a friend of God is in relation to Abraham. We see this in two places. We see it in 1 Chronicles, but we see it clearly also in Isaiah 41, verse 8. Uh, and there's this idea that uh, Abraham is, he's called my friend from God's own lips. My friend. But that word friend in the Old Testament that's used right there actually is mostly translated as my love or the one whom I like or delight in. Mm. Uh, and so it's not even used really as friend most of the time. It's actually like 90% more or more used in the Old Testament. It's ahab, ahab. Uh, It's used as the word love, uh, not as friend. So it's really like Abraham, my, my love, the one whom I delight in. Um, but that's what is, that's the connotation of friendship between Abraham and God. And it's from God to Abraham. Mm. So there's a choosing nature where God is the one who called Abraham out of earth. God is the one who pursued Abraham. God is the one who gave to Abraham. It wasn't the other way around. God covenanted with Abraham unilaterally, not with Abraham's covenant, but with his own covenant first. Mm. So we see this choosing and this this desire that God has to be a friend to Abraham. Mm. Not that Abraham was a friend to him. Mm. Then we see that repeated in the New Testament. Abraham was a friend of God. Um, It's very interesting. I just wanted to point that out. And in the nature of being a friend with God, that's always going to have to do with obedience. 
always will have to do with yielding and going God's way, saying, God, whatever way you say is best. So there's a distinct friendship that can happen there between man and God. It's very interesting, but here's what, here's what I want to point out. Even with obedience, there is a difference here about, about Abraham being listed as a friend than being a servant. Mm. And we see that Jesus talks about that. You're no longer my servants, but you're my friend if you do it. So we'll get to that in just a second of John 15. But it is a different relationship. It's a higher relationship than being a servant. So Abraham is listed as not just being a servant of God, he's a friend mm. of God. So just some interesting interesting to note there. Perhaps the greatest friendship that we see in the Bible that we remember anyways is that friendship between David and Jonathan. Mm-hmm. We see that all the time. It's some, you know, weird non-theologian, but just weird people have taken that to be something it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. But that friendship, we see there's covenantal love there. Mm. I think there's something interesting here to note. Jonathan actually had every reason to be jealous of David. Absolutely. He had every reason to doubt David because David's coming in to supplant him. Mm-hmm. David's coming in to take the kingdom that would have been his mm-hmm. because he's Saul's son, but it's getting ripped from Saul and given to David. Jonathan had every reason to look at David as an enemy mm-hmm. because his dad did. Mm-hmm. His dad looked at David as an enemy. And instead of looking at David as an enemy, he said, this one, this one has a kindred heart. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the response that Jonathan had. And Jonathan was loyal to David mm. to the end. Mm-hmm. And David was loyal to him. And his offspring too. And his offspring mm-hmm. too. And so we see that there was this covenantal a desire to love one another with an intense commitment. Mm. So even outside of that word covenant, sometimes it can be a little touchy for, <laughs> for our circle, mm-hmm. but it's a committed love. Mm-hmm. It's specific. And so earlier I told you that word friend mm-hmm. actually is mostly translated as love. That really is what's seen between David and Jonathan as friends. Mm. They're committed to one another. They're loyal to one another. They pursue the other person's good Mm -hmm. constantly, even if it deals harm to themselves. Mm -hmm. That's what we saw. Both pursuing God and both saying, we want to be followers of him, Mm -hmm. even if it doesn't make cultural sense. Culturally, Jonathan should take the throne. Yeah. But it's, we want to submit to God. And so that bond between each other, it was a higher calling to look at God's will than their own will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. So the last one I want to point out here about biblical friendship, this is one, and I would encourage, again, if you never listened to the, the Gospel of John series that we did at Oak Hill, go back and listen to it. Jeff did a great job in John chapter 15, a couple of sermons in that chapter. Um, but specifically, I'm going to ask you to look at John 15, 15. And there we're told that we are friends of Jesus when we obey. Hmm that we're friends of Jesus when we obey. And remember earlier I said when it came to uh, when it came to um, uh, Abraham obeying God, that he's called a friend, right, because of obedience, but it's a higher order than a servant. And so here in John 15, he says, no longer do I call you servants. No longer do I call you slaves because a slave or a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. Hmm. And Jesus says, but I've called you friends for all the things I've heard from my father I've made known to you meaning he's not hiding anything. So a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. Mm -hmm. So if we think that, okay, Abraham must have just been a servant, no, he's called a friend because he did know what God was doing to the degree that God revealed to him Mm -hmm. at that time. And we know even more now because Jesus has revealed to his disciples and to us who he is and what he's doing and what his father is doing. And so we're not just servants. Mm -hmm. What a tremendous privilege that is. Mm -hmm. Who are we to deserve that? 
<laughs> we, mm-hmm. we are no one to deserve that. Mm-hmm. We are here today and gone tomorrow. Flesh is like grass. Vanity of vanities. And yet we're called the friends of Jesus. Mm. And here's the beauty of what Jesus did. Because if you jump up two verses earlier than right there in John 15, 15, you go to John 15, 13, mm. you see the standard of friendship that Jesus has. He says, greater love has no one or no nothing higher than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. Mm. That is the standard of friendship that we see from Jesus. Mm-hmm. So when he says, I've called you friends, he's saying, I've called you friends because I'm pursuing the greatest love by laying down my life for you. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus has done when it comes to friends. Now with all of that in view, from Abraham to David and Jonathan to Jesus, that is a good biblical picture of friendship. So let me let me ask a kind of a redundant and, and unnecessary question, but just for us to flesh out, does that look like what we're talking about with worldly friendship today? Hmm. And I would say no. I think most of the things that we see today about worldly friendship, and we would just call friendship, you know, because we don't want to call it worldly, but the things that people want when they're on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and all the other things, they want friends who will agree with them. Mm-hmm. They want friends who will be interested in the same kinds of things as them. Mm-hmm. They want friends who will affirm them. They want friends who look at life the same way as them. They want friends who will not challenge any of the things that they will do. They want friends who won't call out their sin. Mm-hmm. They want friends who will be there whenever they want them to be there and who won't be there when they don't want them to be there. Mm-hmm. They want friends for their own accord. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm for those of you out there who may be struggling and saying, but Adam, I really, I just want a good friend here. I'm just giving the challenge that oftentimes our desire for friendship is not God's desire for our friendship. And so it's not a wicked desire that we want friends. What becomes wicked is we want friends our way. Mm. That's the wickedness. It's not wanting friends. It's wanting them for our own pursuit, our own desire, our own selfishness. That's where it becomes a problem. But wanting a friend is not an issue. Wanting a friend is a great thing. Mm -hmm. But that's where we got to start with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Is he not the greatest friend? He just says, greater love has no one other than this, nothing higher than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. And I've called you my friends if you do what I command you. It's what he says in verse 14. This passage is all about friendship. Do we look at this passage and define friendship that way? Mm -hmm. What do you think? On a worldly sense, no. No. Right? <laughs> no. Um, but we look at Christ as the example and we're like, that's what we need to aspire to. And we even look at his life toward us, right? He is the greatest friend. And how often do we fall short of that? And yet he still loves us. And yet he's still willing to forgive us and mm. over and over. But he draws us back and he is so faithful. So he's the perfect example. Yeah. And our worldly examples will always pale in comparison, but we can always look back to Christ as the perfect example and then model our lives after that and mm. to say, I need to be more like Christ in this area as he's done this for me, as he's forgiven me, as he's drawn me toward the Father, I need to be that with other people. Yeah. You know that point right there, Ken? That I think is the first most important principle to pursue in building biblical friendships. Mm. It's this emphasis of instead of looking for a friend, be a friend. Mm. Be like Jesus. Be a friend who lays down your life for others. 
And this may be the complete opposite of what somebody looking for a friend wants to hear. They want to hear, I just want to hear how to find people who, you know, five, five ways to manipulate people, whatever. I'm, I'm teasing, you know, <laughs> the, the win people and everything. Uh, that book from years ago. What I'm talking about is if you want to understand biblical friendship, it's not finding somebody who is a biblical friend. It's you pursuing being a biblical friend. It's you understanding how Jesus is your friend and how you are to pursue Jesus as a friend to others. If you start there, that's the right foundation for building biblical friendships. Mm-hmm. Now, I can tell you this as, as a matter of personal testimony uh, with others, that building friends is not easy. No. You don't, you aren't guaranteed mm-hmm. to have a, a, a good friend, a great friend, a best friend in this life even is the reality, let alone be with them for any extended period of time. But one thing that I've learned is that it is far more important and a blessing to be a friend to others than it is to just have other people be your friend. Hmm. I've seen that when you love other people with that sacrificial love, when you're seeking their good and not your own good, when you're seeking to be a blessing to them rather than receive a blessing yourself, there is more to be had in terms of eternal blessing, but even temporal blessing, because you're learning what it's like to be like Jesus. Mm. You're learning what it's like to lay down your life for your friends. You're learning what it's like to not get what you want when you want it, but to pursue honoring Christ in all things, which we talked about a couple episodes ago, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God, even in your friendships, do all to the glory of God. So my challenge to, to, to listeners today would be, if you're wanting to pursue Biblical friendship, your first focus needs to be that you're being a friend to others mm. and being a Christ-like friend to others. The second thing I would say is, is be cautious of rating friendships by what you get. Mm. Don't look at other people. You mentioned earlier, Ken, about you know getting stuff from, from certain friends like, ooh, that person can get me this and that person gave me that and that person gave me this. Instead of rating by what you can get, why don't you look at what you can give mm. and say, okay, that person you know what, Um, I'm good at this and I can help them here. I'm good at getting together with others and so that's how I can be a blessing to them. I'm good at having those like personal, like intentional conversations one-on-one. That's how I can love and care for them. Look at how we can bless others and how we can be a blessing to them rather than just what can we get from them. You know, let's not stack up people like playing cards, Mm. but instead let's look at our stats on the playing card to see how can we maximize all those for the sake Mm. of others. Be a friend to others. I would say in the same vein, don't focus on what you want others to be to you, but we've just talked about this. Look to what Jesus is. Who is Jesus to you? Is he your greatest friend? And here's what I would say. If Jesus is your greatest friend, you actually don't need any other friends Mm -hmm. because every other friend is going to pale in comparison to Jesus. Mm -hmm. But if you receive other friends because of the kindness of Christ to you, be thankful. Mm. Be thankful for the other friends that God gives to you, this side of glory. But if you have Jesus, he should be enough. And if Jesus is not enough, that's a different issue. Mm. If Jesus isn't enough for you as a friend, it's a different issue. It doesn't mean that you can't desire to have friends or more friends than you have, but Jesus should be enough. If everything else in the world failed, Mm -hmm. if everything else was cast away from you, if you had Jesus and nothing else, you, you should be good. Mm-hmm. It should be enough. He should be enough. Now, thankfully, 
not many of us really have to endure that. Mm-hmm. But there are some saints over the, over the history of, of humanity that have had to endure that. Mm-hmm. When John was on the island of Patmos, did he have friends around him? He was all by himself. He was by himself in exile. When Paul was imprisoned multiple times, mm-hmm. was he with friends? No. Nope. No, but very thankful when they would come by mm-hmm. to visit him. Let me even ask this. When Jesus was praying on his hour of trial right before his arrest and crucifixion and he was sweating blood, mm. where were his friends? Sleeping. They were asleep. They weren't even there by his side. Mm-hmm. The world is going to fail us. Mm-hmm. Even humans, even the best humans are going to fail us. Jesus will never fail us. Mm. We often miss that when we're wanting to build friendships because we want that tangible friend. We want the Jonathan mm-hmm. by our side. We want that person who's going to say, come what may and I'll be right there with you. If God hasn't given that to us though, we should still say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And we should pursue being a friend, be Jonathan to others rather than demand that God gives you a Jonathan. Mm-hmm. That's the reality of pursuing biblical friendship. Any, any things you want to add about that? Yeah, I think it could also be helpful to to look at as we're looking at biblical friendship, right? We're talking about believers. Believers are pursuing righteousness, they're pursuing glory for for God. And so as we're looking at friends too, it's our closest friends are going to be believers. They should be, right? They should be. Yeah. Yeah. And so if we're trying to find it outside of that, there's going to be a main mm-hmm. disconnect. But if you have two people pursuing God and pursuing righteousness and desiring sanctification together, you could have so many differences of practical things, right? So like this person may like coffee, this person may like tea and you can still do be Do you remember when, when- Yeah, I do remember that, yeah. We didn't like coffee together. Yeah. Today we love mm-hmm. coffee, mm-hmm. but there was a day when you drank tea and you refused, flat out refused to drink coffee. Absolutely. I came back from a, a missions trip to, to Europe and I'm like, people drink tea. I'm going to drink tea. And so all about tea. And so that was the season, right? And then later, yeah, we we both like coffee now. We mm-hmm. both, But I'm like, but that doesn't define our friendship. No. It's like coffee could be taken away and we would still be friends. Mm-hmm. But it's what is that common core of saying we're pursuing Christ's likeness, we're pursuing sanctification, and Christ is the number one thing because he's the the perfect example of a friend. And so in that, we can then have differences and still be so, so tight. Mm-hmm. Amen. I remember so many things, right? Whether it was <laughs> snowboarding and you love mm-hmm. to snowboard and I hate the snow. I hate the snow. I really don't like mm-hmm. it. I love the beach. The beach is fantastic. The beach mm-hmm. is the best. Snow, oh, not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there are so many other things too. Those are just a couple of goofy ones. But yeah, if we're building our friendships based on transitory things, mm-hmm. things, things that moth and rust destroy, mm-hmm. things that are not going to be here forever, then our friendship is going to be just as sturdy as those things that aren't here forever. Absolutely. Which is not very sturdy. (laughs) But if our friendship is built on things that last, Mm. if our friendship is built on truth from God's word, if our friendship is built on love for God and love for others, Mm. if our friendship is built on the truth of the gospel, then we might have these other differences, but our friendship is going to be built on things that last, Mm -hmm. things that moth, moth and rust don't destroy, that's what friendship should be built on. I think that's what our friendship is built on and why mm-hmm. it's lasted so long and, and God has flourished it in so many different ways. There was a time, I remember you didn't love ministry. Mm-hmm. I, I remember there was a time, I'm not yeah. saying this to shame you, but like 
you know, yeah. <laughs> there was a time when ministry was not your number one thing. You mm-hmm. were you were being faithful, you were serving, but that wasn't your desire Correct. Of, of your heart. You weren't yeah. saying, oh, I love doing this. It was just like, no, I know I need to do this. Mm-hmm. There was something that switched in you in time and space, and, and that was a grace. Mm-hmm. And it was a grace to be right there when that was happening. Mm-hmm. There was a time when you went to a really big church and it wasn't here at Oak Hill. Mm-hmm. And there was a time when God moved your heart mm-hmm. to want to come here and to be a part of this local body, and mm-hmm. it's never changed mm-hmm. since then. And that was a beautiful time. We didn't always have the same desires in, in ministry or even pursuits, coffee, you name it. God has knit hearts together as friends because of things that matter. Mm. That has, that really is is what's been really neat over the years. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were younger, we knew each other when you, you mm-hmm. were you were in grade school and you know, mm-hmm. I was a knucklehead teenager. <laughs> Back then we weren't friends, is the yep. thing. We knew each other, but we weren't friends. Yep. We we didn't have that bond mm-hmm. of being close brothers. That happened years later mm-hmm. through trial through difficulty through conflict mm-hmm. even and friendship was born out of all of that yep it wasn't just this instant hey we like the same things therefore we're friends mm-hmm. there was tension there was at times we didn't like each other we were mm-hmm. upset with each other mm-hmm. <laughs> staying up late and mm-hmm. studying you know all mm-hmm. these things but god worked out our friendship because of things that matter mm-hmm. and maybe another time we could be more specific about some of those things I just mentioned, but just to give everyone a picture into our friendship of the last 15 years, it hasn't been all amazing. Mm-hmm. There were definitely rough patches in there, times when we didn't like each other that much, times that were hard. But through those things, as God remained our number one goal mm-hmm. and giving him honor and glory, we saw that we were better friends together mm-hmm. than we were apart. Yep. And we've been pursuing honoring God and honoring one another in that friendship. Mm. And it hasn't been about what I get. Mm. It hasn't been about what you get. Yep. It's been about what we give, mm-hmm. how we focus on caring for one another. So friends, I know uh, not everyone has that same dynamic. I, I know that it's unique. David and Jonathan are the only really close example of that uh, from a world a human expect, uh, experience in the Old Testament. But I know that God does provide these friendships in time and space to some. Mm. And even if you don't have a Jonathan mm. or a Ken, you can still have a brother or a sister who is is better than a physical, you know, uh, fleshly uh, bloodline brother or sister. Mm. Meaning a brother or sister in Christ who loves you the way that Christ loves you and is willing to lay down their life for you. And my challenge to all the listeners today, and particularly for the ones at Oak Hill, is that our church would continue to be marked by that intentional covenantal love to one another. We do that in the context of membership, and membership is a beautiful thing in a local church to have defined members that are committed to Jesus and to one another. But even if you go to a church that doesn't have membership and doesn't have that kind of committed covenantal relationship, still I would encourage you, pursue being a good friend to others because of Christ's example of friendship. Mm. Don't pursue friendship based on what you can get or what you want or what you think you deserve from other people, but base your pursuit of friendship on who Christ is and him telling you that greater love is no greater one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And so you go and you choose those that you are going to be friends to and lay down your life for them and watch how God helps you to learn how to be even a better friend than you currently are. That's my encouragement to all of you today. Amen and amen. (laughs) 
So friends, uh, the conversation of friendship is so, so broad, so dynamic. We could talk about so many more things. Uh, maybe for another time, Kenny will want to divulge all those things I mentioned to you mm-hmm. <laughs> about our past as friends. Or come grab coffee with us or and we can talk more about it. Come get, exactly, there and coffee, not coffee, tea. Not tea. Um, at least for us, we'll drink coffee. Uh, we'll tell you all about it. But friends, the big thing here is I just want to encourage you to base your idea of friendship on God's word and not on what the world says. And if you have questions about what that's like day to day and in maybe some of your nuanced situations of friendships, come talk to one of your elders, especially if you're at Oak Hill. If you're at another church, go talk to one of your pastors. Go talk to one of your church leaders there so they can help you navigate being a good biblical friend to others. Uh, friends, it's been great talking about this subject. Ken, thank you for being on this one about friendships. Uh, we pray this conversation has helped you to renew your mind and reform your heart. We'll see you next time on The Thinking Tree.